Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So this week is a guest episode, and I'm so excited for this week's guest because we have Renee Angelique, who is going to be joining us today. So basically, what our conversation is going to be about is what it's like to be a woman of color who is in the plus size fashion industry and we talked a lot about how Renee became this really great voice for the plus size community. We talked a lot about problematic brands and holding them accountable. We talked a lot about body positivity and how others can build up confidence if they are struggling with being plus size. There's so much that we dived into with this episode, and I feel like it is such an important one. And I loved hearing Renee's perspective on so many topics that we discussed. And I was so unaware of all these things that she was talking about. So I learned a lot of cool and new things that I can be very mindful of, especially when it comes to just shopping for clothes at different brands so if you are part of the plus size community I think you're gonna really like this episode and I really hope that it resonates with you and that it helps you feel very connected to what you're going through today so with that being said I'm so excited to get into this week's episode so let's go ahead and get into the interview Thank you so much for being on Shamelessly Unapologetic. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. I am doing well. It is Thursday. We're almost a Friday. Cannot complain. Definitely ready for the weekend and to relax because work's been stressful. Oh yeah, definitely. And also the world right now is kind of, kind of crazy. So it's really crazy. I know, especially with like what just happened in Ukraine today. Yeah. I, girl, I can't, I can't. Yeah. It's ghetto out here in these streets. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically guys, everyone who's listening, this is Renee Angelique and I'm very excited to be having her on. And so, Renee, why don't I let you um, introduce yourself to everyone listening? Sure. So, as she stated, my name is Renee Angelique. I'm from the Bay Area, Oakland gang gang. We met through blogging, actually. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was doing like fashion and beauty blogging at the time. And yeah, so basically what I do, fashion and beauty blogging, I also at this point, I teach like micro, macro influencers and honestly, some celebrities that how to do content strategy, content ideation, and helping those um, more in the macro level, learn how to pitch to brands and, you know, get paid what they're worth. So yeah. Yeah. And boy, we will have a lot to talk about that because we know it's rough out here for us micro influencers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I you know it's funny. Yeah, exactly. We met through this blogging, I guess it was more of like an engagement pod thing, but it was also a collective that started, I guess it's no longer in business anymore, RIP, but that's how Renee and I met. And so at the time I was living in San Francisco and basically my content had focused on like beauty and lifestyle in San Francisco. And then obviously I sort of shifted away from beauty because I was just realizing like, it's too saturated for me. I'm not niching down properly. But talking more about like San Francisco and dating, that's kind of how I found my niche. But I think I rebranded after the whole collective thing ended. Yeah, no, I feel that. And oh my God, dating in the Bay. <laughs> oh God, I that's literally, a whole other topic. Oh yeah, like right before we hopped on, I was literally making a TikTok because there's um, this video that's going viral about dating men in tech and stuff like that. And so I did a response to it because everybody was like dragging homegirl it's like, oh, so you guys clearly don't live in the Bay, but um, yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've had my fair share of tech bros that I've gone on dates with in San Francisco and some have been nice and then just some are just really fucking stupid and they don't know what they want in life. I mean, granted, I was more in like my mid twenties, 
late approaching like the early late 20s so basically like i'm thinking 27 28 not including 29 they're kind of still stupid at that age it's yeah oh yeah i mean they're stupid at any age but still yeah no what i've realized is like oh a lot of you guys even after that age you guys have peter pan syndrome so oh my god it's so bad it's really bad out here it's really bad yeah it's basically just as bad out here in LA too so I, I now hear LA is LA. brutal yeah I mean the one thing I will say like they're still fuck boys but at least they look a little bit better and they're not mediocre white men <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I always struggle to find like attractive guys in the Bay Area as well um but you know what's interesting I think Bay Area men are more attractive than the men in Portland they're they're really bad here Yes, a thousand percent agree. Um, I've been to Portland quite a few times. My sister actually used to live in Portland. So oh, yeah. When I would, yeah, I'd come and visit and then I was like, oh, it is like slim pickings out here. Yeah. So, yeah. I've deleted all my dating apps and it's been really refreshing because it just got very toxic for me. It was terrible for my mental health. Like as I'm swiping on dating apps. Now I will say the men here are nicer than the guys in the Bay Area. But the problem is that they're not good looking and you got to have both. You got to have the looks and you got to have the kick-ass personality. It's just not one way or the other. Right. So for me, like it's frustrating. And like, there's been a small handful of good looking guys that I've met, but you know, obviously it just it doesn't work out for whatever reasons. And that's okay. But I just was getting discouraged and I just couldn't keep doing this to myself. So I'm trying to challenge myself to actually like go out into the real world And hopefully with like more things opening back up now and mask mandates being lifted, I'm trying to feel a little bit more hopeful that I can actually meet somebody out in the real world and out in person and offline. I'm going to challenge myself right now. I'm taking a dating break and it feels really good. So yeah, that's kind of like my dating update. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that everyone's heard a little bit more about our dating history and just what we've been up to. So Renee, what I wanted to talk with you about today is all about being in the plus size fashion industry as a plus size influencer, because I think this is still a topic and a space that still feels very underrated and people are just still not taking this topic seriously or it's still just not talked about at all. And so I know you are like the perfect voice of reason for this topic, especially for women of color. And you just have such a powerful voice that you spread throughout your posts and on throughout your social media. And so that's what I'm really excited to talk more about with you today. But before we jump into the questions that and I wanted to discuss with you about, one thing that I want to ask all my guests on the show, and this is something that I'm starting with the new season, but to kick it off, the first question I have for you is, what is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? Oh, I mean, I would, I know this sounds super cliche, but the thing that I'm most unapologetic about is just being me. Like, I think that, I mean, even just to tie it into being a plus size woman, especially in the fashion space, it's weird because some people are like, oh, sometimes you talk monotone, but then also I do have like a really big personality. And so when people see that, like, if you, like, I'm just someone who can kind of command a room, right? The minute that I walk in. People hear me before they even see me sometimes. Yeah. But because of that, on top of being a Black woman and then adding being a queer plus size Black woman, it's like people always want you to like dim your light a little bit because it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And so for me, I'm like, no, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. So I know, again, sounds super cliche, but like the unapologetic thing about me is it's just being me. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I completely agree. And honestly, I don't think it's cliche because I can relate to that so hard. It's like, you are not going to change anything about yourself to appease to people's comfort levels. And that's exactly why I fucking started this podcast in the first place, because I kept getting shamed for being myself because I also have a big personality just like you. I'm very extroverted. I do have a little bit of an introvert side to me, but more extroverted than anything. I have a big mouth. My mouth has gotten me in trouble in so many times. Like I'm very well aware of that. And of course, like I would like to obviously think before I speak and and I'm willing to hold myself accountable or admit when I'm in the wrong. Like if someone calls me out on my shit, I'll be like, okay, you know what? You're right. I took it too far that time. And so at least like I have awareness, but I think some people realize like being unapologetic isn't about like 
being this confident asshole. And people mistake that for what being confident and being unapologetic is. It's not saying like, I'm queen of the world. I'm better than everyone. Fuck you, bitches. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. It's about like living your best life, being aware of who you are and not letting people get to you, especially when you know you're not actually doing something wrong because people play on those insecurities because they wish they were just like you. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. So completely agree. Yeah, exactly. So I totally resonate with everything you just said. So I love that. So what I'd like to hear from you is a little bit more about your journey and how you kind of got started to become an influencer in the plus size fashion space. And just like, I guess the journey of like navigating being someone who is plus size in general. Yeah, no, of course. So I essentially got started because I, I don't know, I've always been a lover of like fashion and, you know, beauty and stuff like that. Like I would even, it's funny, my parents were like really strict. So I couldn't even wear makeup at an early age like that. Like they're always like, you can't wear it until like your quinceanera, like, which means like after 15, right? So, um, but I would always like sneak makeup. I'd always do things like that. And then even when it came to like fashion, I'd be like, oh, this is so basic. So I'd go thrifting and like, I was probably like, I want to say 14, maybe 13, 14, but go thrift shopping, um, you know, and then tailor and completely alter outfits to just make it my own. Um, And even back then, like I actually wasn't, like my weight yo-yoed a lot. So I wasn't essentially plus size in a lot of my childhood or even just like, you know, my teenage years. But I would say more towards like college, that's when I started to be more in like the plus size realm. So even then it's like, you know, you're a broke college student. You're just like, okay, I want to be like this fashionista bitch still. But then I also, you know, got to pay rent and I'm also, you know, paying tuition and books and shit like that. So um, for me, I wanted to essentially show people also, there wasn't a lot of people in like mainstream media that looked like me. Yeah. Um, you know, cause like, you know, I'm happy that we finally got out of like the early 2000s. You have to be super skinny um, you know, vibe, but even when there was like plus size or what now some people consider the whole mid-size tier, which I will totally get into it later on. Cause that's probably Let's get into that too. Cause I kind of yeah. consider myself to be mid-size, but I want to hear your perspective first for that. Oh yeah, of course. Definitely. So I was like, how do, you know, all we would see are like either again, more white women that are like basically a size eight to 12. Like there's nobody that looks like me being like an Afro-Latinx plus size woman. So I essentially started my channel, I essentially started my blog, it's Renee Angelique, to showcase, like, you can look and feel like a million bucks, because again, my whole brand is being bougetto, bougie and ghetto, right, so I wanted to show people that you could be a bougie bitch, and, you know, look like a million bucks without having to break the bank for it, that's a little bit of how I got started. Yeah, no, that's really awesome, I admire that a lot, because I think it's a really great niche to have something where it's like you look expensive on a budget. It reminds me a lot of uh, Amber Scholl. I mean, she's white, but I don't know if you're Mm -hmm. familiar with her, but that's how she got started on YouTube is she blew up being very broke, couldn't get a job out of college. And she graduated from a very good school, mind you. And she was just like, well, I'm just going to make YouTube videos with $2 in the bank account. And I'm going to make expensive looking things, even though it cost me like (laughs) two cents to make it. So I think it's a really important space, especially with like even niching down further to women who are plus size, because a lot of those looking bougie on a budget things don't really tailor to that demographic. No, not at all. I mean, because even right now, it's like we only have so many places we could shop, right? Like there's either Tord, which is problematic. And then we have Shein, which is like, people don't like to shop with because so they problematic. Still, right. I mean, I had to drop my contract with them too. Cause they are just, I mean, they still from black artists. They also have posted like inappropriate things on clothing. They, you know, they're fast fashion. They're just really unethical, but so you either the accessibility for plus size women in general is like so small Mm -hmm. That it's like, even for us to go thrifting, right? Like, you know, it's very much, you're just going through shit the entire time. Cause it's like, it's not, sometimes it's just not fun. Cause you know that like nine times out of 10, you're going to walk out empty handed. But for me, and even for me, like it's a privilege to be a plus size influencer and a plus size fashionista because I'm still a size 14. So I can still, you know, go into ready to wear place and just purchase something 
whereas a lot of people would have to wait online and stuff. So I, I recognize that privilege, but even mm-hmm. with that privilege, I think, and also again, light skin privilege, that also plays a part into the plus size community as well. But having those privileges, I still wanted to showcase that, hey, these are some ways that we can, you know, expand accessibility. These are like, you know, I wanted to give resources for others who feel like they can't, they don't have that accessibility. So yeah. Yeah. I have a quick question. Um, You mentioned that Torrid is really problematic. Forgive my ignorance on here, but what was the story with them? So yeah, to make it pretty quick, their clothes are so outdated. They're like, they, they basically just keep recycling the same spring, winter, and, you know, summer collections from like 2008, you know? So okay. it's like, yeah. So they're just like, okay, one, you guys aren't really evolving as a brand. They don't do a lot of social listening, social listening and marketing terms. Like they don't listen to their, consu- their consumer base when they're trying to express their concerns. And then plus size influencers have tried to call them out on it which has resulted allegedly into cease and desist letters and a lot of other things, essentially trying to get people fired from their jobs um, for speaking out. Yeah. I mean, just influencers that are just like, Hey, right. They're just simply raising awareness because of course, you know, the power of TikTok, you know, Gen Z and a lot of us were just really on it. And so because of the backlash that they received from like influencers speaking out, they then started trying to find these influencers like nine to five jobs and trying to essentially get them fired as well as like trying to threaten to sue them for defamation. So that is why a lot of people at this point are no longer shopping with Torrid because it's Interesting. Just like, yeah. And their CEO is, I hate to say this, but she's your typical white liberal who is just like, oh, but I care about the people, but like tends to- Clearly um, you're not because you're not even taking feedback. No, she very much goes into the white woman victimhood. And so that's exactly what happened. And it was very apparent when she did this live recently. And yeah, so that's why people are like, okay, we're no longer shopping with Torrid. Yeah, Um, that's so frustrating. It definitely sounds like this brand, as you mentioned, it's just not evolving. It's not keeping up with the trends and it's just not taking feedback. Well, because I feel like, you know, Torrid obviously started with good intentions of making clothes for people who are considered plus size, because again, so many brands don't cater to that demographic, but if you're not going to evolve and listen to people, you're losing out on all this potential of what a great brand you could be. And that's definitely a shame to hear that they just are being petty and they're playing the victim and just not doing anything to change that. That is a shame. Yeah. And it's hard because I understand that like they do have such a big consumer base because LA places like here, we have the privilege of having a little bit more access to stuff by people in middle America, not as much. And then it's also like, they've been around for so long where when accessibility was like even slimmer than it is right now. So people have tried to stay with the brand because they're just like, okay, like this is what we know. This is what works for me as of right now. But because there's so many other options growing now or coming about people are like hey you guys aren't even evolving with the time there's no reason in 2022 plus size women need to be wearing like cold shoulder shirts like that has been so outdated yeah um floral patterns nobody wants to look like the whole fucking garden anymore yeah I mean to each your own if that is your style but for a good chunk of the population that's not everyone's style and I totally agree with you 100% I'm curious to know, like, I guess, what do you consider your style to be? And where do you typically like to get your clothes from? I know you mentioned you do a little bit of thrifting, but I know sometimes that can Mm -hmm. even be a challenge for you. Yeah, um, I would definitely say, so when it comes to my own personal style, I like to consider myself to be like a fashion chameleon. And I say that because like my style just always changes. Like it probably changes like every year. Like even like I've only been in LA for a year and a half. And my style has drastically changed from my style in the Bay. Like in the Bay, it was very much like trench coats and heels with like leather pants, over the knee booties and things like that. Whereas down here in LA, I'm like, okay, I'm wearing bodycon dresses with sneakers and like an oversized jean jacket. And my style just kind of changes depending on the region I'm in. Cause even when I like travel a lot to DC, you know, completely different. But I will say places that I like to shop um I've definitely been shopping a lot more at Blushmark now that I'm in LA I would say Nordstrom definitely a heavy Love hitter Nordstrom. If I something. yeah because they actually are really expanding their plus size section they are even with um they have this new in-house brand it's not 
uh, God, I'm forgetting the name of it, but I think it's shop edit or something like that, but they go up to like a five X. That's good. And so, yeah. So I'm starting to find new brands within Nordstrom, um, still banana Republic a little bit. God, I'm trying to think I did shop a little bit with fashion, to figure, but not so much anymore. And that's a plus size brand. There's a lot of my friends, like a lot of my peers have done like a lot of edits and um, collaborations with them. Also Rub Dolls. Rub Dolls has anywhere from like literally XX small to like, I want to say they go up to a four or five X now. So yeah. That's awesome. I just learned about a whole different couple <laughs> of brands that I had never heard before. So I'll have to check some of those out. Um, that's really cool. And you know, it's funny when you mentioned about how like your style changed from like the Bay area to LA it's so crazy you say that. So, I mean, when I was living in California and I would go to LA, I went to LA twice when I was living in California. I mean, I've been to LA before I was even living in California, but besides the point, it's funny because what I would pack for LA would be like Insta baddie looking clothes because Mm -hmm. I knew that's kind of like the style in LA and I wasn't trying to do it just to fit in, but also part of it had to do with the fact that I was going in the summer. I know how hot it is in LA in the summer compared to in San Francisco where it's still kind of chilly and you need to wear layers. But at the same time, like I also knew that I was going to BeautyCon, which has sadly gotten very chaotic and a little bit controversial as well, which is a shame because the event is so much fun. But besides the point, Mm -hmm. Obviously what I wanted to wear was going to be tailored to me and based off the beauty space. And this is obviously when I was kind of focused on beauty content back in the day. And it's just really crazy how you want to kind of like blend in, but have it still fit to your taste as well. So you're not just one of those typical LA wannabe girls or LA wannabe influencers, if that makes sense. Cause that's not what I was trying to do. I was just trying to like, obviously dress to the weather while still feeling really good about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think the one thing that's cool about LA is that everybody just has drastic, they just have, there's so many differences in styles, you know, and I love that. And even the same in like New York too, it's like, there's not one specific style there. Yeah. But yeah, I did. I do notice that like on the West coast, it's very much more chill. It's very much more casual. So it's like, it can go either way in LA, like at least in the Bay, it's like, it, it's for sure casual. Like if, I, if we're going to a bar, we're just going to throw on like a jean jacket, maybe yep. some cute heels or some booties and some jeans and, you know, go about it. But like in LA, it's like, you can do that. You could also wear a cute little dress and with some sneakers, or you could also wear like a bodycon dress with some heels and just be out and about. And nobody's over here, like side-eyeing you, like what the fuck is this bitch wearing? And especially like with the clubs and stuff like that, like you definitely have to wear heels. For Super Bowl weekend, like they, there were some clubs that weren't allowing people to go in if they didn't have heels on, which Wait, is more- are you serious? Yeah, like it was very much kind of giving like Vegas energy. Cause like, I was just like, okay, this is kind of weird. I mean, I didn't have the problem cause I, I wear heels anytime I go out usually. Sure. Recently I'm going into sneakers, but that's just always been my thing where heels. Yeah. That's just my thing. But yeah, that was happening. Cause even with my friend, she asked me when we were going out, she's like, yeah, like we're going to this one party. Do you know the dress code? I was like, bitch, it's fucking LA. Like you'll be fine. She's like, <laughs> I don't know. Cause my other friend got, you know, denied at the door last night. And I was like, yo bitch. Okay. So like they were denying people at the door. I mean, the Super Bowl was crazy. Like, and we've, I don't know if you were in the Super Bowl when they had it in San Francisco but it was just a different vibe. Like I've done two Super Bowls now where they've been in the city that I've been living in. And this one was nowhere. It was like 10 times crazier. I think it was also just because like everybody wanted to get out the house because like of the pandemic and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the table service, the bottle service and everything, like me and my friends were bougie. We do bottle service all the time. Oh yeah. But like the tables were going for like $20,000. What? Yeah. 20? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. The highest. Yeah, so the highest extra. I thought was like twenty thousand dollars. I was like, okay, Jesus. this is going on like Vegas territory now. So it was interesting. But outside of that, like you can get away with some sneakers in the club, but they better be some like designer sneakers or yeah, something. Yeah, something cute or stylish. Yeah. Like those Gucci, what are the the Gu- like the white Gucci sneakers with that like red and green pattern on the side. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the model, but I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's insane. I don't think I ever remember having anything like that in San Francisco. I know Portland sure as hell does not give a fuck about what you wear to the bar. I don't even like go to that many bars in Portland. I go to more breweries because that's kind of like the scene and the vibe in Portland. 
And it's not to say that I don't like bars, obviously, like I do, but I've just been exploring more of breweries lately. And the style in Portland is really interesting. It's definitely kind of diverse, but some trends that I do see are like the baggy wide-legged jeans or dad jeans, mom jeans. You'll get a lot of flannel in there. And I love that stuff because I Mm. love a good flannel. So comfy. And I just find like certain pieces of flannel can be really flattering on any kind of body size, which is something that I really like about it. Earlier, you mentioned you had some opinions about mid-size fashion. I would love to talk a little bit about that and hear your perspective on it, because I also want to have a conversation about it from my own perspective as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess I would start by like, let's just start with the body positivity movement in general, right? So that was essentially created by queer black women that were in the space that are plus size, right? Yeah. And they wanted to basically be about like, hey, loving yourself, body neutrality, um, whatnot. But I think as like the move, the movement like progressed, a lot of brands were taking note of that and like, wait a minute, there's non-traditional, quote unquote, non-traditional bodies that are being shown on social media and they're performing really well and use that as like a marketing ploy. So, you know, we had like Gap, now Abercrombie & Fitch wants to hop on. Um, You have Mm -hmm. all these brands that are like, we have, you know, I think even, God, I'm forgetting the the powerhouse brand. It was either Prada or Chanel that had the folks quote unquote plus size model on their runway for New York for Fashion Week, but they were like a size eight, you know? So it was just like- Yeah, which isn't really plus size. It's no, not at all. That's not plus size. Barely that's even insulting plus size to the plus size the movement. World. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so people were kind of like, what is going on? So essentially, I personally say that the movement was hijacked, right? And so that's why more people are saying they're trying to step away from body positivity and going into body neutrality. Now, where body, like mid-size fits into this, because even with like, even within the fat, I hate to say this, but like the fat realm where we have different like tiers, right? So you have small fats, you have super fats, you have, I'm sorry, you have small fats, mid fat, mid fat, uh, large fats, super fats, and then infinite fats. So I've never heard of these tiers before. I know. It's all news to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So essentially like a small fat would be someone like I would be considered a small fat. So that's anybody okay. from like a size 12 to like a size 18 a mid fat would be somewhere from like a size 20 to like 24 ish larger fat would be 26 to like 28, maybe 30. And then infinite fat would be someone that's like 30, 32 and above. Okay. Um, and so the problematic thing, when it comes to mid size, because there's a lot of people who are like between the sizes of like a size 12, like eight to 12. Right. And that's or, where I and, fit in. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't fit in like with the smaller girls, but I don't fit in as traditionally plus size. Cause even for small fats like me, I present fat. Right. But like people that can still be a size 14, depending on, you know, how their proportion might not present as like fat. So, um, you know, some people feel like, especially mid-sized girl or mid-sized girls, they consider themselves to be like, I'm not traditionally what you consider to be plus size, but I'm also not traditionally skinny. Yeah. Um, and so that's when they created, well, we're mid-size. And so the problem with that is like, there's a lot of people that are still in straight sizes that want to feel that oppression of plus sizeness. But then they also don't have to deal with the bullshit, the actual oppression of being a plus size body. And so that's why you have people in the plus size community that really get offended and get annoyed when like being mid-size is now again, considered to be a marketing ploy. It's now considered to be a way for brands to make money. It's a way for them to get more representation when fat bodies are still fighting for representation in the fashion realm you know and it's like it's not to say that like people that are within those ranges don't matter that's not what it's saying at all but I know what you're saying yeah yeah so it's a it's a little difficult and I try especially as someone who's a smaller fat like I there's a lot of mid-sized people that try to like confide in me on this and like I don't understand why are these big ass girls saying x y and z and I'm like so check it and I have to educate them on it because it's just like you're not it's also similar to how like even amongst the plus size community there's some people that just are not in community with each other and what I mean by that is like 
black and brown plus size women or femme presenting people are not in community with a lot of the white plus size women in you know in the community and the reason why is because you still benefit from the fact that you are white yeah. and you are a woman and of course there is oppression when it comes to being a woman but there's also the more that the intersectionality you know happens it you know you're more far removed and so you're closer to like the cis the white cis heteronorms compared to black plus size bodies or brown plus yeah. size bodies especially if they're even bigger bodies I want to just say that to say that like it's even bringing them up as an example you guys like to play oppression olympic because yes you are in a plus size body but you also still benefit from your whiteness you also still benefit from either being hetero or hetero passing you still benefit from a lot of things within society yeah. compared to other people so I think it's the same thing when it comes to mid-sized people where it's like we get it. You know, you're not the traditional skinny girl, but you're also still not in the plus size realm, but you want the oppression that comes with that, but you don't want to have to actually deal with oppression. If that yeah. makes sense. I think I know what you're saying. And it's interesting that you brought up the oppression thing. So for me, I never saw it as a way of like, oh, being like, oh, I'm oppressed because I don't fit a category. I think for me, I'm curvy, right? So I'm five one. Mm-hmm. I am technically considered overweight for my height now. So after I had wrapped up my last season of bikini competitions in the fall of 2020, I started reverse dieting and I knew I was going to gain weight and that was fine. It was going to be healthy, but then my mental health plummeted. I also aged like now I'm 30. I was 28 during my last competition. So that was basically two years ago. And so my body changed and my hips got a little bit wider And I've discovered more about like my body type and realized like, okay, I'm kind of in between an hourglass and a pear-shaped body. I think I'm a little bit more pear-shaped because my chest is a little bit smaller compared to what an hourglass body is supposed to be because I believe your chest is supposed to be a little bit bigger. But besides Mm -hmm. the point, at least I kind of figured out like, okay, so I know my body type. I've started to discover like what clothes are going to work for my body now and what clothes are not going to work for my body. But I think for me, like I just knew that I have curves and I noticed that like as I was gaining weight, I was no longer fitting into clothes. And I said, okay, I'm going to have to start sizing up because I used to have a straight size body, which is basically, I think anything below a size eight. So I normally used to be like a four to six in clothes. I am not that anymore. And I'm trying to become more accepting of that. So I guess my frustration, not like in an oppressive way, but I was thinking like, you know, with models, I don't see anyone who is in the size of like eight to 12. Like I don't see women who are short. I think my frustration is more of like petiteness. And I think it's more of the petiteness and not really like the size eight or the size 10. It's the fact that there are models who just don't cater to my height. And I've looked at petite blogs who are still really skinny. Like they're still straight size, but I want to see like, where are the bodies for women who are like five, one, or I want to see models in clothing that are size eight to 12, because I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like, because I want to know it's flattering, but I never wanted to think like I'm oppressed. I just wanted guidance on how I could better shop for myself. But I do see what you're saying that there's like that whataboutism that, that gets played into that. But I know for me, that was not how I looked at it. It was more of like, I just want to know how I can fucking dress for myself because my body has changed. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I, again, I know you, so I know that's not at all what your approach to it is, but I definitely see a lot of these content creators that do have that. And they're just absolutely, they're like, I understand the struggle. And it's like, girl, no, you don't, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. definitely can't relate to like the struggle of being plus size. Absolutely. I can't. Right. And so even also, even what to clarify with like the sizing, right? So technically straight sizing is anywhere from like a double zero up into a 12, maybe 14. Like basically, yeah, like that is considered straight size. It's like, if you can, if I can go into a target and just go get whatever the fuck I want, or if I can go into, I don't know, like, give me a store. Like if I can go into, um, um, let's say Abercrombie. Perfect. If I can go in the Abercrombie and I can go walk up and I want a size 32 pant, which is considered like a 14, right? Like then that is considered straight sizes. Now, anything above that would be considered extended sizes or plus size. So 
yeah so it's not traditionally like zero to size six that is straight sizes but it's more from double zero to size 12 to 14 depending on like measurements in the brand that's um, interesting I guess I had read it somewhere that it was below anything below six unless if there's another term for sizing from like double zero to size six but I had thought that was what straight sizing is so I yeah. stand corrected there I guess oh no 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 it's all good <laughs> I just wanted to yeah just clarified but yeah no totally yeah and then also another thing is that like even with fat or larger bodies right I think people have this misconception that like just because you are in a bigger body it's not everybody who's in a bigger body is like curvy either like they can still be right. like you know straight size but just be in a larger body so exactly yeah. and mm-hmm. I really hate it when people say like Alana you're not curvy and I'm like well can I ask what your definition of curvy is and they think of like plus size people or people who are bigger. And I say, well, that's inaccurate because you very well could still be thin and curvy. Curve is literally like how your body looks. It's not about your weight. And that's so fucking frustrating. I consider myself to be petite and curvy because I am, but it's completely different. Like I'm, I don't ever say like I'm plus size, I'm curvy. And I think there's definitely a misrepresentation of what that word means. I'm sure you've probably like had to experience that. Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, and like to your point, like it's literally based off of either measurements or your proportions, you know, exactly. so you can be petite and be like a size four and still be curvy for yep. your frame, right? Yeah. You can also be a size 28 and have measurements that make you proportionate to like pear-shaped or hourglass figures. It literally depends on a bunch of different variations, not simply based on like your size. I know. God, women's just sizing in general is just straight up bullshit. We need to just talk about that. The inconsistencies that come up with it because like with some brands I could be, if we're talking about like waist size, because a lot of jeans are in waist size now, I could be like a 30 in one brand, but for another brand, I could be a 32, even though I know my waist isn't a 32, but it's like, it's inconsistent. So how are you measuring these bodies? Like, I just don't, girl, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the same thing, even with like plus size clothes, like you have brands that are like, oh, we go up to a size three X or we go up to a size five X. But if I try something on, it's going to fit like a one X. Like it's like the the consistency is just not there. And there's a lot of people that have called it out. Actually, Saucy West, she's based in the Bay and she has this whole movement, like hashtag fight for inclusivity that is literally for, you know, calling out these brands that say they quote unquote cater to plus size bodies. When in reality, it's like one, they don't, like they say they go to a three X, but like your three X is fitting like an extra large, you know? And then when you look at everything else, like nothing is consistent or they still from like black or fat, um, you know, fashion people. I know. So like I recently started shopping at Vici and I think a lot of their stuff is cute, but their sizing is awful on their measurements. It'll say like, if you have a 30 inch waist, you're going to be an extra large. And I'm thinking, well, okay, well I have a, like a 30 inch, 31 inch waist, but I know I'm not an extra large. Like I'm worried that might be too big for me. Mm -hmm. And it's just the inconsistencies that I just see on clothes. It just frustrates me. And that's where I'm just like, I don't know what fucking size I am because my clothing is going to be bigger than what it's supposed to be. And I want my clothes to fit me. Yeah, it definitely is like playing into like diet culture for sure. The insecurities. Yeah, it made me feel insecure. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why like men or like masculine presenting clothing goes strictly based on measurements right like if I wanted a sports shirt it's gonna tell me okay my size is like a 17 by like 33 or something like that and like with pants same way but like the reason it's so different for women is because it plays into diet culture because if you're thinking oh wait I'm not a size you know 12 anymore I'm a size 16 JK I need to go fix that so I can be quote-unquote more consistent when reality it's not you that's inconsistent it's the fashion realm and the clothing itself that are inconsistent yep exactly exactly and it just really screws all of us women over who are just trying to find things that are gonna fit for us it's so fucking frustrating um so kind of like just talking about challenges um especially with like being plus size, I was curious to know what kind of other challenges have heightened for you um, due to being a woman of color 
And I know like brands will have such awful biases towards women of color in terms of like models and also within like the influence phrase influencer space too because I'd like to sort of transition into like being a plus size influencer as well okay I'm gonna say that there are challenges for me but there's also a lot of advantages for me at the same time because of sure you know how I am so I think being a black queer woman in the space that is a challenge for me right being a bigger body in general is a challenge my body is also consistently changing like I technically am still hourglass shape but the recent past two years, I would say I'm like looking more apple shape or I'm presenting more apple shape, but depending on what I wear, it just, my hourglass shows, right? So I would say that would be a challenge sometimes when working with brands, because a lot of these brands tend to go for women that are pear shape or women that have flatter stomachs. They just present a certain way. They present as almost like they can wear straight sizes. The part where I say that I benefit from it is like one, I'm a smaller fat, I'm a size 14, right? So I'm barely hitting even the plus size realm Two, it's like, I'm light skin or lighter than some other people in the space. So it's like, I guess it makes me more of like a palatable person to work with because I'm lighter than some other um, people in the fashion and blogging space. And then on top of that too, depending on what I wear again, my hourglass figure will show. So mm -hmm. they, you know, gravitate towards models and influencers that either have hair shape or an hourglass shape. So for me, there's a lot more benefits and there's a lot more privileges that I do have being in this space than there are hindrances, right? But with that being said, it's like, I do use the privilege that I do have. And I do like to showcase bigger bodies and try to highlight other people so that they can get paid. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is also why, like I work with so many other plus size influencers and models to help them pitch themselves and learn how to pitch themselves and you know, know their worth and not back down from these brands so that they can, you know, maximize their awareness and also just like how much they're getting paid. Cause like half these brands do not want to pay them. Like I know particular oh, I know. people yeah. that are, yeah, particular people that are in my space that have hundreds of thousands of followers and brands refuse to pay them because they don't look conventionally what they're looking for. But I also have people that are my mutuals who are some heavy hitters in the industry, whether it's modeling or just as in being an influencer that are getting six figure deals from some of these companies. And yeah. it's simply because they are light skin. It's simply because they are pair hourglass shape and because they present a certain way and they're more palatable to quote unquote market. That's such bullshit. And I have a question. Are these friends, are they pitching to the brands or is no. the brands pitching to them? The brands are pitching to them. And they're not willing to pay people their rates just because of an aesthetic or, or look of someone's physique. All right, wait, hold on so, to backtrack. So are you asking me if like the people that are in bigger are on the bigger end of being plus size, if they're pitching, is that what you're asking me? Yeah, I was curious to know, like, cause we were saying brands are not willing to pay. So I wanted to know, is it a mix of, or if it was both like, are they reaching out or are these brands reaching out and then saying, oh, we're not going to pay you. That's what it's I was definitely a, It's definitely a combo because okay. like these people that I'm talking about in particular, like they have the following, right? So they have the reach, the right. organic yeah. reach. That's why and I so, wanted to know. Yeah. And so these brands, they like that because at the end of the day, these brands want to push product, you know, they reach out to them, but they're like, oh, unfortunately we're just, we're gifting only at this time. But and like, but bullshit. then I, right. But as me working in this space who actually has hired and has to negotiate for some people, I know who's on your roster. I know exactly how much they're getting paid. So it's like, it's for them, for other people to come to me and be like, yeah, I know, you know, some people who work with this brand X, Y, and Z, how much are they paying people? Like I'm always honest about how much they're paying other influencers. Now I don't disclose the names of those influencers, sure. but I definitely am very transparent with like, Hey, this is the range that they're paying people X, Y, and Z. This is what you need to say. This is how you counter. Cause I don't want anybody to be like low balled or I want, I don't want people to like, feel like, okay, like I'll just take these little crumbs. No, they're literally paying these people so much money. And yeah. it's just a matter of being conventionally attractive or conventionally what they think is marketable. So it's really unfair because it wouldn't surprise me if it's like the same campaign that they're reaching out to for creators who are either white or they're not plus size, basically whoever's fitting that mold. Cause it wouldn't surprise me if it's the exact same kind of campaign 
and then they're being told it's gifted only. I mean, have you ever like Girl, called the these brands out is. to them? Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> the to know, like, how, yeah, how do you how do they respond to that? If you've called that out, I'm sure you've had to call. Them yeah, out I've definitely called them out. Like I've called out brands like through Instagram, which is funny because I think when I usually do it through my Instagram story, they like immediately hit me up. I'm like, oh, you know, we apologize X, Y, and Z. Like, and or they ask me to like email them because they want it like obviously in like formal writing and stuff and then sometimes they just don't give a fuck a lot of these brands i would say like 95 percent of them definitely give us a whole you know we're listening we're you know we hear you we're listening we're actively changing things they don't that it's just a whole pr spiel yeah it's um, just talk yeah so they don't care they know exactly what they're doing and they just double down and say they don't give a fuck so it's so frustrating and i yeah i just really feel for you i mean i know i can't relate because i can't consider myself plus size. I'm not. And I'm also a white woman. But at the same time, I'm very frustrated for you and all these other influencers that you know, who are just like you in the same boat. And it's not fair. And it frustrates me. And of course, influencers are definitely getting screwed over by brands, even outside of just like beauty standards as well. It also comes down to like following where they're not even paying people who have below 10K followers. And I know that's a whole nother thing that we can also talk about because I know you have a business now that you're running on helping people get paid what they're worth, especially if they are a micro influencer. Mm -hmm. And I constantly get emails that, from brands that I'm always turning down. I was so upset about one brand that I actually use their product for and I pay for it because I use it every single day. And they said, oh, we're only doing commission-based stuff. I get ROI is important to you, but I also know my following and I know that they would benefit it. And they just see you as undeserving of payment. And I would rather never have brand deals than take these shitty affiliate not well not to say that affiliate jobs are shitty I would have been fine maybe to do an affiliate thing with them but that wasn't something they were open to but like I would say I would rather never have sponsorships than you know sell myself short yeah and I a thousand percent agree because it's just like when you and I always tell people this whether it's like on TikTok or when I'm talking to someone individually it's like take what you feel like you're owed because if you don't you're literally fucking over not only yourself but you're fucking over the next influencer that comes after you because you think that you're okay with this rate and you're like I'm just settling for crumbs they're gonna think it's okay to bamboozle another person because they're like okay if we can get away with it with one person it's gonna work for everybody else too so I always tell people no just stick with your guns I'd rather you walk away from a brand deal hold your head up high it's not worth it you know I even had somebody who's a macro influencer a heavy hitter on TikTok. They a uh, brand offered them like thirteen thousand dollars. I was like, "Bitch, ask for twenty five. Don't ever just settle." It's like with job offers, right? You never take the first offer. It's the unless same if you're thing. happy with it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I hear they, you what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with brand deals. You just don't take the first offer, and you negotiate. You negotiate your ass off. So I teach people how to negotiate and how to learn how to walk away and how to like, honestly, even just set, to set their rates. Okay. You know, like to set the rates at a rate that they feel comfortable with, but yeah, that's something we definitely see in the plus size realm. And it's just, it's frustrating. And even with campaigns where it's like a white plus size influencer and there's like black and brown people, they're being paid heavily higher, you know, than someone who's like a black and brown influencer that is also like, and maybe even a, and if you're like a bigger fat on top of it, it's like, then you're really just getting like the crumbs of the crumbs. So it's yeah. not right. That's not right. And yeah. I really hope we as a society can continue to progress. I definitely think there has been progress, but it's still not enough. Right. And yeah. I mean, I don't want to say like some progress is better than no progress because obviously like I like seeing change, but there's still more work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm definitely hopeful. I'm hope I'm happy at the fact that like, there is more visibility, right? There are more people that are starting to look like me or people that weren't necessarily showcased in traditional media or like, or mainstream media for the longest time. Like we are seeing progress happen, but there is so much more to be done. And I also want to let people know that even just out of like fashion and beauty, right? Like 
There's so many other ways that plus size people are oppressed, you know, even in the travel industry. I mean, we have travel bloggers and lifestyle bloggers and whatnot, but in the travel industry, having a seatbelt extender or like even being in healthcare, you know, being told that every little problem that you're having is literally just contributed because you're fat, you know, when in reality is something completely different. Yeah. So I'm happy that we have people in the medical space. There's plenty of nurses and doctors that are now becoming influencers that are bringing awareness to this as well, even with like reproductive health and how that contributes and how people just blame it on, you know, obesity. Yeah. When, you know, don't you just love being gaslit by doctors when they tell you, oh, lose weight and it'll fix all your problems. It's like, no, that's not what's fucking happening here. Right. I mean, and I firsthand have dealt with it. Like I was like having fainting spells and then I gained a lot of weight out of nowhere. I was like, what is going on? And then they were just like, well, you need to exercise more. I was like, bitch, I'm exercising five times a week. Like, I don't know what else you want me to do. And I was like, also fainting, that's kind of scary. I was like, what are all these changes? And so it got, it had, it took for me to change doctors to like request certain tests. Cause I was like, look, something's going on. I don't know what it is for them to be like, oh, you have PCOS. Like, okay. Like you have all these other things going on. Cause they wanted to say like, oh, well you're diabetic. I was like, I'm not diabetic. Like I've never had problems before. And I, it's, I didn't want to be like one of those people like, no, but it turns out I wasn't diabetic. Like I was just insulin resistant. And the reason that that was because that is a symptom of PCOS. Yeah. So I think that it sucks, but it's just like, we really have to vouch for ourselves because in larger bodies and just black and brown people in general, it's like, we're not listened to, or we have a higher pain tolerance and whatnot. And sorry, I know I'm going on like a tangent, but no, like- <laughs> I mean, it's important. <laughs> yeah. You have every right to feel this way because so many women who are in that position where they are maybe medically categorized as like overweight or obese and people just always, or not people, but doctors just always wanting to say your weight is the problem when it's not necessarily the problem. Like just because someone- has a larger body doesn't mean that they're not working out that they're not eating right it can be genetics it can be a disease there are so many things that contribute to weight and I know the reason why I gained weight wasn't because I had mental health problems and like yes sometimes I did eat some bad food that I shouldn't have but I was taking medication that does cause weight gain I'm not on that medication anymore because I didn't like that I was gaining weight at least I knew like it wasn't because I don't care about my health Because clearly I was exercising, I was eating right. It was my fucking medication. And I knew that was a side effect. I was hoping it wouldn't affect me, but it did. Right. And that's another thing is like people think that a misconception with being in a bigger body is like, okay, you just don't care about your, your health. When it's like, there's a lot, I mean, myself included, there's a lot of us that work out daily. There's a lot of us that like have some type of movement that take care of our mental health, you know? So it's like, or that we're sloppy or whatnot. To your original point, like I am happy that, we are bringing awareness to a lot of these things, whether it's like even housing and like fucking, you know, healthcare, travel, employment, because in most states in the US, you could actually get fired for being obese simply just because of that, you know? So I'm happy that people are bringing awareness to these things. There's influencers that are, you know, making strides in the community and are also giving resources for people that are struggling with some of these things like medical and like, you know, employment and housing and whatnot. So we are definitely making strides to make things right, but you know, still got a long way to go. Absolutely. And I do have like one more question because I know we're starting to hit time here, but you've become so confident in who you are becoming so accepting of your body and just embracing being plus size. I guess this can be like a two-part question here. What did building confidence for you look like in terms of loving and accepting your body? And what would you say is like a really good piece of advice that you could give to someone who is struggling with their image being plus size, whether they're Mm. a person of color or they're just somebody who is plus size in general and they're struggling and they want to be coming more accepting and confident of that? Yeah, um... The first part, that's a little hard to answer. And the only reason why is because, first of all, I'm a Leo for, you know. <laughs> I'm a Leo rising. Know. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you know how it is. Like, yes. We've always just been bad bitches. So Absolutely. Like, yeah. Bold and so, unapologetic. It's what we are. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm just like, I mean, when did I learn my confidence? I'm like, bitch, I came out the womb slang. <laughs> but I will say that... <laughs> I will say though that um, I think when my body changed, that's when I was like, okay, like I had to 
I had to go through my own awakening where like I had to tackle my internalized fat phobia because I come from a family that there are a lot of obese people in my family, but there's also a lot of fat phobia. And even with that, like this kind of ties into it, but like there, there was also a lot of anti-blackness. And for those of you guys that don't know where fat phobia comes from, it also is a form of anti-blackness and racism. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's where it stems from essentially white supremacy, right? So yeah when you get down to the nitty gritty of like fat phobia, that's things that I had to, you know, touch base with myself and unpack and unlearn those things that that I was conditioned to. So the minute that I did that while being in a larger body, I feel like that's when I truly got to experience what true confidence was not just solely based on like exterior, but also like interior as well. So that's the first part for that question. And then what I can say, you know, for someone who's in a bigger body and how to gain that confidence is just like, don't focus so much on the exterior, like work on like your internal struggles first, Mm -hmm. because no matter what you look like, you could lose, you could lose all this weight. You could be 125 pounds, lose all that weight and you still can not have confidence, right? That's very true. You know, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what size your eyes, like if you don't do the internal work, you're never going to be happy or content with who you are or like where you are in your journey. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's still just great advice. I think owning yourself comes within it. Right. And then eventually it just sort of organically happens to loving yourself externally. I mean, for me, I wasn't always confident. And I think it took me a really long time to get there. I want to say college is when I started to love a little bit more about myself. And I guess that's when the Leo rising started to eventually like be, be like, hi, peekaboo, I'm here finally. Because <laughs> I mean, I was bullied growing up a lot. And I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism and just people picking on my physical appearances. I got called ugly all the time. And it made me feel like I was unworthy of ever having a boyfriend. And I remember when I did get a boyfriend in high school, it shook people to the core because people didn't understand or people would still try to scare me and try to tell me that my boyfriend doesn't actually like me, blah, 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 which wasn't true. Like, you know, they were just trying to like have that kind of power over me. Long story short, I was never confident in middle school, high school, and maybe like my first two years of college. I was very insecure. And of course, there's always insecurities that I'm going to deal with from time to time, but I'm in a much better place with where I am as a grown individual who has learned so much and I'm still learning. There's always room to learn and grow as a person and to just better yourself and educate yourself. And so for me, like, yes, that took time, but I was never confident. And I love that it was just always there with you because I'm totally jealous of that. And I wish... I could have helped younger Alana with all of that stuff. To be honest, like, yes, I was always confident, but like my confidence was always stemming from something else. Like I would say, especially middle school and high school, right? And maybe even very beginning of college, I felt like my confidence was slightly at the approval or the validation of like men or people that were like, yes. my interest, oh my God, know? I was so guilty of it. Yeah. So it's like, I wouldn't even consider that to be like true confidence, right? Because you're feeding off of like that validation. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, during like, I want to say towards the end of college where that's when I was tackling my internalized fat phobia and even some anti-blackness, I guess. That's when I was truly able to have honestly true confidence because it's like, I didn't give a fuck about the approval of whether it was family or friends or, mm-hmm. you know, love interests. Like it wasn't, it was because of me. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, girl, I was such a pick me when I was I'm a teenager. <laughs> the biggest pick me, I had lots of internal misogyny. I'm so glad I unlearned that. Sadly, I didn't unlearn it until college, but I feel like college is like the best time to grow and learn as a person. We're all going to make mistakes along the way. I believe every single person has had some sort of like shitty thought We've all said something that could have been like racist or just misogynistic or fat phobic or whatever, like some, or something that's anti LGBTQI, you know, we've all done something. And I feel like anyone who said that not one thing has come out of my mouth that is not anti this or not anti that, I think they're a liar. And we learn and we grow and we progress, we forgive ourselves. We make sure that we hold ourselves accountable 
and hold ourselves to a higher standard. So we don't ever have those thoughts or think those things ever again. Oh, absolutely. And when people say things like that, I'm just like, I immediately just go to their Twitter account and then just start uh, searching through their filter and everything will pop up. The amount of people that I found, whether it's influencers or even just friends of hateful shit, if you just put in like derogatory terms in their search bar, girl, like things from like 08, you know, 2011, like it just, it comes out. So I think yeah. people are full of shit when they say things like that. Yeah. Like we've all been guilty. I used to like vent and say stupid shit on Twitter all the time. I have gone back and I've deleted a lot of tweets because I'm just like, what the fuck, Alana? Like, what was wrong with you? <laughs> but it's like, you know, you know, you know yourself, you know that you've learned, you know now you were ignorant back then. And it's like, it's okay to admit you were in the wrong. It's okay to admit you're ignorant, but like take that shit off immediately because you never know. But yeah, yeah. other than that, I mean, I have absolutely loved this conversation with you. I feel like I've learned so much from you and your story and your perspective. And I hope those who are listening have been really inspired by your story and just everything we've talked about today. So I do appreciate you being here. Before we head out, if people wanted to check you out, where can they find you? Yeah, you guys can check me out at it's Renee Angelique on Instagram and then just Renee Angelique. I should spell it for you guys because y'all don't know me like that. R-E-N-E-E-A-N-G-E-L-I-Q-U-E. Um, they can find me at Renee Angelique on other um, all other platforms. So Awesome. Yeah. And I will put all of her social media handles in the description of this episode. So you can go ahead and check her out and give her a follow. But also guys, if there's an unapologetic experience that you'd like to share with me that you'd like me to read on an episode, make sure you email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.